0: You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. The devil's a liar. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, he really is good. Say he's better than I thought. Better than I imagined. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't that feel good? Because it's true. So, so good. Awesome. How many of you are tired? <laughs> That's not what your attendance showed this morning, coming in late. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Good old spring forward. The good news is about spring forward is that, we did, yes, we did lose an hour, but we gained an hour of daylight. Come on, somebody. Anybody tired of it being dark at 5 p.m.? Jeez, Louise. I'm ready. We're have a, hopefully, we'll have a spring, an actual spring before we just jump to summer, right? We'll see what happens. Anyways, hey, if you're new here, uh, for all the people who went to the journey this past couple weeks, we commend you. We're so honored to have you guys. If you're new here, come on, give it up for yourself. We had more people in our journey process than we've ever had this past couple weeks, uh, which is awesome. It's really, really good. Really, really awesome thing. Um, so, if you're new, it's your first time, maybe you've been here for a while and you've never gone through our journey process, you're going to learn more about who we are and about yourself as well. It's our, your next steps. And if you want to serve in some capacity, maybe you're waiting for somebody just to ask you to serve. That's not how it happens. You go through the journey and then after that, we plug you into somewhere. Amen? Pretty, pretty awesome thing. We have a lot of, a lot of new people. God is uh, continuing to uh, bring so much diversity to our church which I really, really love. I love diversity. I love because uh, I think it's Bill Johnson who says that uh, unity does not mean conformity, but unity is something that only can happen in diversity, right? So think about it for a second. You can't have, if we just want everybody to look the same and talk the same and act the same, that's not unity, that's conformity. But if you have diversity and we can all come together still, then you can have unity. Does that make sense? So I love to see just the the people just from all walks of life come to our church. There's so many walks of life in this room and that is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven that it is for everybody. It is for anyone and everyone. Amen? And so I remember I used to tell our youth kids, I say, you know, go invite the craziest kids you know to come. Amen? So our women's night, Pastor Faith, coming up this Friday. Who's coming to the women's conference this Friday? Raise your hand real high. If you're not, all the ones with your hands raised, all the ones with your hands raised, go and invite them to go with you. Amen. In our small groups even, if you've got somebody who's not coming or feeling alone, invite some of these ladies, go together, get some coffee. It's going to be a really, really good time this Friday at 6 p.m. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'll be here uh, helping as an usher, I believe. So just in case, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. Sees me like some security maybe. It might get, might, y'all women might get kind of crazy. <sighs> Um, okay, I think that's all my announcements real quickly. Um, man, how many of you were here last week? Raise your hand. Man, God just really got a hold of our service and just turned it basically into a prayer meeting, which I'm totally okay with that, amen? Uh, it's just so good that, um, that God is in charge, right? And God's in control. And so this morning, um, but, okay, before we get to our message, list, we should probably pray, right? Look at your neighbors, I believe in prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad we pray here. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't wait for the next prayer night coming up. (laughs) On the first Friday of the month. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't wait to get to that prayer night. Got a lot quieter in here. Did y'all hear that? Right out the door. All right, let's look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for lunch. Uh, See what's happening. (laughs) Come on. Prayer is awesome. Let's pray because we believe that God hears us and he answers. Amen. There's a verse that says, I called on the Lord and he answered me. I remember when I was literally in jail, I found uh, the scripture in Psalms 91 where God answers David. How many of you know the beginning of Psalms 91? He says, because I dwell in the secret place of the most high, I will abide under the shadow of the almighty. But God answers David later on and says, because you honor me, I will deliver you. And it's literally, I called upon him, and he answered me. And I remember that being very real to me in that jail cell, that I took that real personal, because I believed with everything in me that I was going to call upon him, and he was going to answer me. And I believe the same way this morning. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that... Our prayers don't go up and miss heaven. But our prayers rise to heaven. And they rise to your throne, Jesus. God, I thank you that you hear the voice of your son right now in this place. And I ask you to give your people ears to hear and eyes to see. God, I ask you that you would use me this morning. That you would anoint my lips. That you would lead me by your spirit, God. That your word would come alive this morning. Be living and active. That God, you would speak to your people a rhema word just for them in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen and amen. So this morning, we're going to get into, I felt like uh, this this message God has been speaking over our house, that he is reintroducing himself. And I just, I have another shirt idea that we're going to come out with, I don't know, here in a few months probably. But we're definitely going to put that on a shirt that I never knew he could be this good. Because I love that. I want people to ask you what that means. And that's what God is doing. Like, like, like Nathan, here he is. Man, I've been in church 22 years, but I haven't seen him. I haven't known him like I do now. It's my heart's desire to see people step out of complacency and step into this intimate encounter with Jesus. I mean, it moves me. It's something that just, it wakes me up in the morning. My heart burns for it. I was talking this past week with a lady. She was asking me our vision for our church and, you know, asked me this stuff. And I had to make sure that I had to give her the real vision that God has given me. And I had to say, man, my heart burns. Even when I was in jail when I first got saved, God spoke to me and he said, Michael, I'm sending you to awaken the church. To awaken the church. That's you, right? It's quiet in here. Say, that's me. How many of you know that the church needs to be awakened? How many of you know that some of, some of us are stepping into that place, into our destinies, and we're starting to let God awaken our spirit, awaken our hearts, awaken our devotion, awaken our hunger, awaken our, our, our taste, our desire for the word. He's awakening us, and that's what he's calling us to do. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions. And we're seeing that begin to happen. I love this testimony this past week. A guy who's been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seeking after the gift of tongues. This past week, when I prayed, I just remember you were here this past week. I said, if you have a prayer language, pray in the Holy Spirit. And he just began to pray in tongues for the first time ever. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Nobody laid hands on him. Check this out, Pentecostal people. It wasn't even Pentecost Sunday. They didn't have anybody around him shouting, come on, let it out. Jesus is the baptizer and he comes in and he just touches people when he wants and how he wants. Isn't that amazing? That's really good news. That means that we don't have to put formulas to it. You know, the the beautiful thing is, is that when Jesus said, I only do and I only say what I see the Father do and say, he was telling us basically there's no formula. I just look to him for answers. I'm just constantly looking to him. And I think that God continually wants to break us out. Of our formulas and I think that's what he's doing now he's reintroducing certain things about himself back to us so this morning I believe God wants to, to talk about praise and worship so for some of you your experience in praise and worship maybe you were raised Church of Christ maybe you're raised Southern Baptist maybe you already have your listen I go to churches sometimes and there'll be 600 people in there and no no hands raised Right? Maybe that's how you're raised. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But all of us have a different experience. And maybe you come to this church and you see some wild people maybe down here at the front. I'm one of them. And you see something, man, if, man, if you think I'm wild, it should see in my office sometimes. That's why I got to have my door closed. Uh, Maddie's seen it. She's coming to the kitchen sometimes. What are you doing? What's that noise I hear? It sounds like a war cry or something going on in here. Because there's something in me that, that everything in me, I, I love him so much that it comes out and I express myself to him. And maybe how you were raised is different than what you see here, but I want to paint a clear picture and I want God to, I believe he wants to reintroduce to you what praise really is. He wants to reintroduce to you what, what this is a big one this morning, especially what worship actually is. Because there's a difference between uh, what we might think worship is and what we might think praise time is than what actually the Bible says it is. So we know this morning, let's first talk about praise, right? So listen, I grew up in a church in charismatic, Holy Ghost-filled churches, okay? This is my experience, amen? And I'm going to tell you right now, I am grateful for that experience. I am grateful for that foundation. I'm grateful that I'm not having to reintroduce uh, radical praise time. Right? And I grew up in a church. I remember when we first came to Kentucky, we went to Relevant Faith Church with Pastor Oda Schaus, and I remember the ladies had some flags, and they were running around the service. My mom was probably one of them. That's just how I grew up. But that might not be your experience. Hey, Amen? How many of you can raise your hand and say, that's not my experience? Raise it real high. Man, that's a lot of people. And I guess sometimes uh, it makes us Maybe we become a little judgmental or we become complacent and we're like, well, you don't have to do all that. And it's not necessarily that you have to do all that. But let's just see what the Bible actually teaches about some of these things in praise time. That what are some ways the Bible says to praise the Lord? So we know for sure that the Bible commands us all over scripture to praise him, right? How many of you agree with that? That I'm supposed to praise him. If I'm born again, I am called to praise his name. Amen? So we know that for sure. So, Psalms 18.3 says, Since God has done so many wonderful deeds, he is worthy of praise. You know why I love that? It's be, you know when I sing that song that says, I can't hold back my praise. I got to let it out. Because I believe if you're holding back your praise from the Lord, it's something, that, it's something that he deserves that you're not giving. Does that make sense? It's not something that you're supposed to hold back because it's not it really doesn't have anything to do with how you've performed. It simply comes to what he has done. And so if you're holding back your praise that he's worthy of, I mean, come on, somebody. Listen, this is not I don't want to ever be found holding back my praise because I've had a bad week. I'm holding back my praise because I'm frustrated. I'm holding back my praise because I'm mad at my husband. I'm holding back my praise because I lost my job. Listen, he's always worthy. There is never a time in the day ever that Jesus isn't worthy of praise. Never. It doesn't matter. Nothing literally matters. I could get in a car wreck today and he's still worthy of praise and adoration. There's never a time. Let me give you another secret this morning. The devil is trying to steal your praise. And we are making it way too easy for him to take our praise. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, man, my car. Oh, man, the kids were acting crazy this morning. Mercy was acting a... Donkey this morning. Well, the time change or what? But what's the devil trying to do? Trying to get us in a bad attitude. Trying to get you off. Trying to get you to worry. Make your praise something about a feeling inside of you. Instead of who he is and what he's done. My praise is not contingent on any feelings. Ever. It can't be guys. Because if the the enemy knows all it takes is for you to have a little rough day. And you take your praise. Don't you think he's going to be trying to do everything he can. Just to screw up little stupid things. Oh, the microwave broke. Oh, man, my ice machine stopped working. Oh, man, here's the, oh, gas is up. Listen, if you're rooted and grounded and you trust the Lord and you tithe, you're not worried about the gas prices. If you don't tithe, you're probably worried about the gas prices. It's quiet again. Woo! People accuse me sometimes for talking too much about the goodness of God. Come on. We got it's both, right? Talk about how good he is, but we also tell the truth in love. Listen, don't be, don't be concerned. It reveals your heart when all of a sudden, man, gas is going up, gas is going up. Oh, listen, I, it doesn't even cross my mind to cut what I give to the Lord because of gas. It crosses my mind. I got to cut something else out of my life. Can somebody say, man? Not a third of you. We're working on it. I'm not concerned. Because my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. These aren't just good. These aren't just cool phrases, guys. This is the truth of who he is. And because of who he is, I'm always available to give him praise. Every single day, every single moment, he deserves my praise. Look at your neighbor and say, I won't hold back my praise anymore. Don't let your struggle steal your praise. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, if God inhabits the praises of his people, then who inhabits our complaining? Right? Think about that. If praise invites God to come and inhabit our our surroundings, then complaining, who does that invite? Probably another spirit. Man, something I want to see shift in the culture in America, especially in the church, is that we stop giving praise and talking about all the devil is doing. It's almost as if we're giving him more praise than we're giving the Lord. And we can see it when we go around sometimes, guys, and yell what are some things God's doing and we don't even know but if I ask you what's the devil doing we got a long list we got to shift our focus we got to shift our focus to what he's doing people are getting saved people are getting baptized God is still here I'm still living I'm still breathing you got to shift your focus and find inside of you that man he's worthy and you're not gonna steal my praise and it mean nothing you can do will steal my praise Come on now, don't let gas prizes steal your praise. It was like this back in 2008, if you remember. God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne. Maybe some of y'all just need a carpool. We got a 12-passenger van out there. If we have any more kids, me and Maddie will be driving that thing. It's not a joke. It's the truth. <laughs> Maddie's like, well, I'm like, that's, that's the next step up. She's like, oh, no, it isn't. And I'm like, what do you think is bigger than our van? You know, <laughs> you want a school bus? Sorry, babe, I love you. It's kind of bringing some lightheartedness back to this, okay? You can laugh, you can smile. Don't Simply put, don't let the devil steal your praise. You know why he, does, you know why he wants that? Because he tried to steal God's praise as well. He was there trying to steal God's praise and get attention to him. So he's doing the same thing today. And somehow we're falling into the trap and saying, man, my life sucks. Man, this is hard. Man, this is da-da-da-da. And next, day we're actually exalting what the enemy is doing instead of exalting what God has done. We have to step into that place. So we can say, you know what? At the end of the day, everything could be falling apart. But Jesus is still king. He conquered the grave. He rose from, he rose from that place. And he's seated now alone in glory. I love to remind the enemy. Of what our king is right now. I, I say this all the time. And I wish you. I, I want it to go through to us even more. Watch what you say. Watch what comes out of your mouth. That's why we, we make declarations here. We are sons and daughters rooted in family. That's why even part of changing the name of this church. We are the father's house. And it's because we are speaking this thing into existence. So be careful what you say. Because the enemy will try to grab onto these things. So. Here you go. Isaiah 12, verse 5. Sing praises to the Lord. So for some of you are in here, you're like, man, singing's awkward for me. The Bible says it right here. We're supposed to sing to Him. It doesn't say be a good singer. It doesn't say make a... It says make a joyful noise, not a beautiful noise. (laughs) We can all make joyful noises. Amen? Uh, My kids, we make joyful noises to the Lord. We make joyful noises. It's not about Well, I can't sing very well. It doesn't matter. Sing praises to the Lord. Look at it. For he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Let our praises rise. Some of you think, I don't know about singing. Well, there it is. Psalms 98.4. This is one of my favorites. You ready? Psalms 98.4. Shout to the Lord. Well, I get real uncomfortable when we shout at church. It's okay. It doesn't say shout to the Lord unless you're introverted and quiet and you really don't want to. Well, that's just not my personality. I'm telling you, that's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because God will take your personality and he'll still give you boldness. Some people, Maddie's the most introverted person you ever meet. And y'all are thinking, no way. She gets up here. Then she gets up here and she talks and the, with authority sometimes. I'm like that's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because she, you surrender your personality to him. And when he says shout, something comes over you and you shout to the Lord. It's something that comes out of us. We have to start getting out of these boxes. That's just not who I am. And start being obedient to what the scripture says. When a worship leader gets up on the stage and says, come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. I remember I was at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And I remember for the first time in my life being a part of a room that erupted in a shout of praise. And I thought, this is what it's supposed to be like. Because that pastor got there and said, lift up a shout of praise. And I I actually have it recorded on my phone because that place just began to roar. praise if you if you struggle with maybe what kind of church you were I believe this scripture can help you be rooted in the truth Amen. it's not because we're charismatic we shout it's because we love him and he's done great things amen come on don't let the Lord find us shouting at our kids and not shouting to the Lord (laughs) we all know we can shout amen (laughs) We all got a shout in us, for sure. Let's shout unto the Lord, the one who's done great things, amen? Another controversial one, raising hands. Psalms 134.2, some of you are thinking, man, I know all this stuff. Well, that's okay. Let's get to the worship. Not every Sunday is just pinpointed for every single person. It's all right. Read your Bible during the week. Raising hands, Psalms 134.4, verse 2. Look at this verse, guys. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Why do we struggle with these things? Why is, it, why is it awkward? God is reintroducing what actual praise is in this place. I, I don't know what it is. How many of you like to lift your hands in worship? Raise your hand right now. <laughs> Everyone, if you would, just lift your hands all over this place. Is this enough? It's not because we're charismatic. It's not because the pastor says so. The word of God says, lift your hands. To the holy place. You know what this is? This is a universal sign of surrender. Help me, Lord. You ever if you have little kids, you can put your hands down. Thank you, guys, for your obedience. You have little children, what they do. Mercy and Elena constantly come. Daddy, Daddy, hold me, hold me, hold me. That's what we're hold me. I surrender. I need you. I need what you have. It's an act of faith. Don't, don't be, uh, don't let that. The enemy come in and say, well, that's just awkward, and you're awkward. Listen, this is the place for you to come out of that box. This is that place. Maybe it's just, you start with just singing. That's something you don't normally do. Maybe it's clapping. That's something you don't normally do. Maybe shouting is way, but just take your next step, whatever it is. God, I want to express myself to you in whatever way that your Bible says that I should. Psalm 63, 4 says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. This is a real good one. You ready? We can also praise him with dancing. Daniel knows. I've seen it. I, wh- why is it? I just really want us to try to get like reflective for a moment. Like what is in us? What really is the real answer What stops you from dancing sometimes? Is it insecurity? Is it shame? Is it? scared of what people might think about you. All those things are very real. I'm not saying they're, they're not real. But I'm going to tell you, there's only one way to get free from those things. You start to dance. It's the only way. The only way to not care about what anybody thinks. If you feel led to, not to cause a scene, but if you feel led to jump and spin, whatever it is, not to have everybody look at me. The only way to come out of that box, and I've told this story a bunch of times. I used to not dance and jump and turn or anything like that. And I remember I went to camp. And I I just just got broken out of that box while I was at camp. Because it was easy at camp because all the kids were doing it, right? We're all jumping and dancing and whatever else. And I came back, and it's been about two months since the camp. And I told Maddie, I said, yeah, I got free from that that insecurity. And she says, really? Well, I haven't seen you do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, here at church on Sunday morning, I still was insecure about it. And I think a lot of times we, we say things like this, well, You know, we don't have to do that. You're right, you don't have to do that. It's not what I'm saying. He's worthy of it. And there's something that happens when you get a good look at his face and what he's done for you. And sometimes you think about what's happened. You think about that song when it says, I can't hold back my praise. You think about how he's loved you at your very worst place. You think about him conquering sin. You think about all he's done and something just wants to come out of you. It's not because you want to be seen. It's something that bubbles up. And there's a lot of times insecurity. People think, well, I don't normally do it. And people are going to think I'm doing it to make a scene. Who cares what people may think? You can never help what people are going to think about you. Ever. And if you're the one that's like, well, I want to be genuine. I want it to be real. Then praise the Lord. That's awesome. Then you're the ones we need doing it. Encouraging people. Encouraging others, I love to see some people I know love Jesus begin to express themselves in worship, not because of performance, not because of uh, they feel comp- just like they have to, but it's truly just who they are. They get excited about who He is. I get excited about who He is. Psalms one fifty, verse four. Y'all ready for some scripture for it? Praise Him with the tambourine. Let's stop there. Don't you dare bring your tambourine in here. In The name of Jesus. <laughs> you are not a part of the worship team. <laughs> the worship director said, amen. Praise him with the tambourine. Praise him. And what was that second? And with what? Dance. My goodness. There it is in the scripture again. And dance before the Lord. Let go. Let loose. There's something. I'm telling you. There's something that happens in a moment when you are experiencing the goodness of God and you let your body respond to what's happening. It's something that just changes. There's something that moves in me. There's something that will move in you when you begin to just move a little bit. Maybe that's just for you. It's just a little, whatever it is, a little two-step. Whatever your first step is, whatever is out of your, whatever it is, I encourage you to know the Bible, these things are biblical. They're not just because of the crazy father's house church. Somebody invited me to. Try here in Scripture, dance before him. Like David said, he said he danced with all of his might. He danced with all of his might. This is a, this is, listen to me, men, for a moment. This is King David. The one who killed thousands and thousands of warriors. This is a warrior king. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Ain't none of us men in here warrior kings. Right? And we think we're tough. But we ain't no warrior kings. We're not killing lion and the bear and Goliath. And then you find this man of man, this men of men right here, King David dancing before the lord and then he said i'll become even more undignified than this i remember i went to a meeting of damon thompson's uh damon thompson in elizabeth town and i remember when we first got there there were these grown men at the altars grown men i'm not talking about little sweet little men you know i'm talking about some some grown men some big old guys, some burly guys, some country looking guys. And they were down at the front and they were dancing before the Lord and worshiping. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. That's the type of man I want to be. Because strength is not in how serious you are during worship. Strength in how your heart is expressed to him in worship. And I've seen these men dancing before the Lord and I thought, man, this is incredible. I'm not used to seeing that. For some reason, we just see the women be expressive. Why is that? I think it's because God wants to reintroduce to us that men can be intimate with Jesus. That we can have an intimacy encounter, that we are also the bride of Christ. And we sing these songs, man, I'm a lover of his presence. I'm a lover of his presence. Our men to step into this, I believe that our men will be constantly, continually to step past these cultural norms of being tough. I would say that King David was a lot tougher than anybody in here. Right? How many would agree? It's probably a good solid biblical statement. But he danced before the Lord, he gave everything he had to him. I believe we can. So look at the closest guy to you and say, just dance, bro. Don't be scared. What are you afraid of? It's not a choreographed dance. Oh, see, this makes a lot of you so uncomfortable. That's okay. God wants to get you out of your comfort zone and get you in the breakthrough. Amen? Come on, step in the breakthrough. Step in the breakthrough this morning. Whatever that may look like for you. First Chronicles 13 and 8. This is a little obvious one, but we also can praise him with musical instruments. Amen? I know some people raised in the church of Christ, they don't believe that. Let's look at 1 Chronicles 13a. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tamarines, cymbals and trumpets. Isn't that amazing? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that we can to give to Him, to express ourselves, because we love Him, Amen. It begs the question, you know, why do we do these things? And I think that's where we get, sometimes we get mixed up because we're like, hey, um, well, uh, you know, I don't have to do that or, you know, that's just a little too much for me. And a lot of times I think we hide, um, we act like we're more spiritual than that, but actually it's the lack of the depth of spirituality that keeps us from doing it. I would encourage you just to break out of that box this morning. Break out. Every other time we have praise. If you're coming here on the women's thing, break out. Break out. Break out of that place in your home. There's an altar in my home in my living room. There's been an altar in my home on Bosley Road in my living room. There's been an altar in my home on Davis Street in my living room. There's always been a place where my family will gather and we worship the Lord. There's always been a place there that happens in my home, and that place will leak out. In place. Don't let it start here. it would be more awkward for you. Bring what you have been doing during the week to this place, and you'll see God begin to break down walls. So next, next, let's talk about worship. How many of you have heard of the law of first mention? Anybody raise your hand. Basically, long story short, the law of first mention is a method that you use when studying a scripture. If you're trying to learn about something, you go to the Bible and see where it's first mentioned. See where the first occurrence of it is in the scripture. So I want to talk to you about worship for a moment. The word worship we find, the first word worship we see is in Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 through 10. Worship is a word that means reverence. It also means to bow to the Lord. You see, sometimes people get on their knees, sometimes they bow, because it's literally what the word means. It literally means to, to have reverence for him, to bow before him. And another, if you can kind of break it down in these twos, it's, it's worth that he's worthy of these things. Amen? And so we see this in Genesis chapter 22. I want to take you to the first time in the Bible, I believe God wants to reintroduce what worship is to us in this house. Genesis 22, verse 3 through 10, the story of Abraham and Isaac. How many of you remember this story when God came and told Abraham, hey, you're going to go and I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac on the altar. Kind of a crazy story. I want you to go, not to mention that Isaac was the promise that God had given him. How many of us are even willing to lay down some of the promises and dreams God has given us? If he decides to say, hey, not I don't want you to do that anymore. I want, you, I want to send you this way. I remember when me and Maddie, uh, in our last house on Davis, I just had this thought because we we're like, man, we need to need a bigger home and, you know, we want the church to grow. And you can get caught in this idea that, that success and growth just means we're going to go to more people. Or we're going to have a little nicer house. We're going to just kind of climb the ladder, the social ladder. And I just had this big move in my heart where I said, yeah, I looked at Maddie. I said, man, Maddie, what if God calls us to McLean County and he wants us to start over? And it was just like, oh, uh, I don't know about all that. But there was something in as we sit on the couch and we didn't have this big glorious moment like, yeah, God, we'll do anything. But we had a very sober moment of worship and we said, hey, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do the rest of our lives. No matter what. And you're seeing Abraham step into this moment right here. God, I'll do whatever you ask of me. Let's read verse three. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Don't you love Abraham's swift obedience? When God speaks to us, Worship is swift obedience. It's something that comes quickly. God gave me something, I'm hurrying up and getting to it. How many of you have kids? How many of you know delayed obedience is disobedience, right? I told you to come here now, right? Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, pay attention to this, watch this. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Hold on a second. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham... Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And they reached the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Hold on a second. Did you notice there was no mention of keyboards and acoustic guitars and microphones and speakers and buildings and pews and music at all? There was no mention of any of this in this. year. He said, me and the boy are going up on the mountain to worship. We are going up on the mountain to build an altar to the Lord. And on this altar, Abraham, God asked Abraham to lay down his, the treasure of his heart. Worship does not always involve, it can involve these things, but here we have in the scripture where it's not involving music at all. It's simply involving the, the treasure of your heart and an altar. And here recently, God's been speaking to us even more that we, this church, and we would build an altar to the Lord in this house. A place of sacrifice, a place where, of obedience, a place where you're giving everything of yourself. You're willing to do whatever he says, and you're saying, God, I'll do whatever you want from me. This is worship. A place of surrender is worship. We can give God praise and recount all the things he's done, but we step into worship when we just say, I'm worshiping you because this is who you are. Not because of what you can do for me. Not because that check came through. Not because I just got my taxes. Not because I just got over the sickness. I'm worshiping you because of who you are. You don't owe me anything. Listen, guys, God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe you. He doesn't owe us an answered prayer. He doesn't owe us anything else. He gave us his most valuable thing. He gave us Jesus. And he's worthy of everything we would possibly have to offer. And you see this happening where he's saying, man, we're going up on the mountain. We're going to worship. And I love that part, though. Did you see what he said, though? Me and the boy will return. Because when you know that you have a word from God, he knew something was going to happen. Even if God had to raise Isaac from the dead, he knew, listen, me and the boy will return to you. But he was so swift with that obedience. Worship looks like obedience, church. Worship does not look like singing a song really well. Let me speak to the worship team for a moment. Worship team looks like a life of surrender. If you want your worship to go deeper, if you want your, the anointing to come, you got to start to live a life laid down at the altar. you got to please see an altar and put yourself on the altar. Jesus did this exact thing. We see that when John was preaching, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What did that mean? In the Old Testament, they would literally make sacrifices of animals to pay for their sin. God sent His Son, the Lamb of God, laid Him on the altar, and sacrificed Him for our sins. And He's telling us, listen, you got to do the same thing. Worship looks like, Lord, my whole life is yours. Everything in my life is yours. This church will only step into deeper places of worship when we step into deeper places of surrender. It's not going to be because of our sound system. It will never be because who's on the platform. It will always be of the level and dependency of our surrender. That we say, God, whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. If I'm not talking to my spouse the way I should, if I'm not repenting, whatever you want from me, God, if you're calling me, I know I need to get in the word. I know I need to start giving. I know I need to start being rude to everybody at work. I know I need to stop gossiping. All these things that God is trying to pull out of you, this sanctification he's trying to do in you, is literally literally building how much your worship is. This is worship, church. Worship is nothing to do. Guys, we can sing songs and not worship. We can sing songs to him and not actually step in worship. worship. Somebody say, not me. Maddie, no, I'll stop there. I'm not stop there, but stay on this thought. The worship, it looks like obedience. We give our money as an act of worship, saying, God, I trust you. I'm giving you my treasure of my life. I'm giving you something that's valuable to me. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I will never give God something that costs me nothing. This is worship. Guys, once a week on a Sunday morning is not a sacrifice. Maddie got up this morning in the spring forward, took the kids here an hour and 20 minutes early, so it was basically 7 7.30 came to this church this morning. I believe Jesus is worthy of so much more than maybe we realize we're giving. He's worthy of so much more maybe just coming to church and going through the journey. He wants a life laid down that belongs to him. There's a song called On the Altar. I don't know if you've heard this by Upper Room. It says, I will live on the altar. You are worth what you ask for. That song moves me because I, I want to live that type of life. I want to be poured out to him. I want him to actually receive worship from who I am and not just what I'm doing. I want to worship him with my, with my mouth, with the way I parent, with the way I work, with the way I have integrity, my character. These are the things that are valuable to the Lord. And when we start to walk in obedience to him, our worship becomes greater to him. Does this make sense? And I believe God is calling us to a deeper place of not just coming in here and giving Him praise for what He's done, but worshiping Him truly through our lives for who He is. He's saying, man, He's worthy, church. He's so worthy. If you see me, I I just get so undone thinking about the the Lord because there's something that happens um, when you really know uh, who He is and you believe who He is. Because you can see... We can sing songs, and when you sing, man, you are good, you are good. Some of you are struggling because you actually don't believe He's good. That's why it's so important that we believe, like Dominique was singing, that you are a man of your word. I believe what you say. And when you start to believe what you say, your worship will follow. You have to believe these things. It cannot be, uh, you have to be convinced that He's good to truly worship Him for His goodness. You got you to be convinced. What he did on the cross for you—for you to truly celebrate it, how it should be celebrated—you cannot question these things and think that we can offer up this type of worship to him. We have to believe with everything in us, and then we find ourselves stepping into a deeper place of worship. It's pretty amazing. I want to tell you this last story, and I'm going to end here on John four twenty to twenty-four. How many of you know the story of the woman at the well that Jesus was meeting? I'm going to start in verse twenty. It says, "So tell me this," she's talking to Jesus. And he right after he just told her like, "Hey, you have you have five husbands, right? Where's your husband now?" She's like, "Well," and he says, I, "You have five husbands, and the one you're with is not even your husband now, right? This is not, uh, you know, some real sweet little put together girl, but you see Jesus going after her, amen." So tell me this: Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place what, where we must worship? Who is right? 21 says, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Let's look at this again. Let's put it in some other layman terms. You will not worship the Lord at the Father's house on Sunday morning, but you will worship Him in your heart. You will not worship the Lord in your car, you will worship Him in your heart. And I'm not saying don't come to church. Hebrews makes it very clear do not forsake gathering together with other believers. But I'm saying we could arrive to church and still not actually worship. And God wants to reintroduce that this morning. That it's not about what happens necessarily in this room. It's about what's been happening inside of your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. Man. Let that not be us. I think that's what bothers us sometimes. Because it's like we don't really know the one we worship. So we have this awkward time of praise and worship. Because we really don't know who he is. And that's why it's so important that we get to know who he is. And we believe that he's good. We believe he's a father. We believe he's merciful. We believe he came. And we start to worship him for who he is. He says, your people, they don't really know the one they worship. But us Jews worship out of experience. This is why I love being charismatic. Because we do value an experience. We value an encounter with him. It's not because we don't value the Bible But we value meeting him. We value being touched by him. We value, and you're in praise and worship. How many of you ever felt goosebumps in a song? And you're like, man, there's something tangible going on in this room. We've experienced him in a very real way. God wants you to experience him in a very real way, an intimate way. Maybe you never have. I believe God will touch you even today. That you would experience him even in your car on the way home today. For it is from the Jews that salvation is available. He says, but from now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. What he said in another verse, says that we will worship him in spirit and in truth. So worship was not about a location or it was about a location before Jesus came, the temple mount. But Jesus is saying, there's coming a time when it's not going to be about everybody gathering in Jerusalem and going to the temple and the sanctuary. There's coming a time when you're going to be able to be born again by my spirit. You're going to be able to worship me in spirit because the spirit's coming. He's going to make you born again, and you're going to give spiritual praises to God. And then he's saying from that place, you're going to be able to worship me in truth. What does that mean? That means biblically, biblical truth that we believe who he is, and also a truth is really who I am. That means I'm a person of integrity. That means that my worship is sincere to him. That's what it means by worshiping him in truth. That it's really who I am. I'm not just dancing for y'all to think I'm spiritual. It only can come because I can dance down here and not give him worship. I can jump and not give him worship. But if it's coming from a sincere place, I can actually step into worship. And I can see him and for who he really is. Maddie would always tell me, She said, Michael, what makes you a good preacher is because you can tell that you really believe what you're saying. I'll tell my worship team in this place, what will make you a good worship leader is because you really believe what you're singing. You start to believe it with everything in you. God, you're good. You're good. You're good. And something will shift in the room. When I sing these songs, when you sing songs to worship him in spirit and in truth, it's coming from a sincere life to him. I know this is kind of a tough word this morning, but that's okay. God is wanting to step us into a life of worship, a life laid down, a life built on the altar of him where we say, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Whatever you want from me, I'm going to do. Whatever you're asking of me, I'm willing to listen. Could the worship team come? Oh, it's quiet in here. That's okay. Whatever your next step is in praise, whatever you're not comfortable with, I pray the Lord will step you out of that box. I pray that we all become true worshipers of Jesus in spirit and in truth. That it's not about our location, it's not about 3031 Biddle Road it never has been it's about a heart abandoned to the perfect will of the Father Romans 12 verse 1 my last scripture You put that on the screen and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Isn't that amazing? Let's read it again. Go back, go back, go back. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is how I feel in my heart, a pastor's heart this morning. I plead with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Another verse says this, in view of his mercy. Did you know the motivation for you to lay your life down on the altar for him is that you have a perfect view of the cross. You look at what Jesus has done for you and you make that your main vocal point and from there you say, Jesus man you're worthy of everything. You're worthy of my life laid down. God I give it to you on the cross A living and holy sacrifice. This is the way to worship our King. Isn't that amazing? When we step closer and closer and deeper into this place of laying down our lives, church, we will see the worship time at the Father's house begin to erupt like you can never imagine. Can somebody say amen to that? But listen, I'm here to tell you that it's not just because of the people on this platform that's going to make the worship erupt. It comes from the people in this room. It comes from the hearts that are abandoned in this room. It comes from the life that you're living outside of this room. And when we come in here, God is glorified and he's glorified and he comes and he he comes with power and he comes with anointing and he comes with miracles he comes with salvation he comes and he comes to redeem and rescue and restore church he is worthy of our praise don't let the enemy steal your praise could you stand to your feet could you lift your hands to heaven and can you just say this out loud I will live on the altar I on, say it like you mean it I will live on the altar yours come on say it again I will live on the altar my life belongs to you say it's more than a Sunday come on say it's more than a song it's everything in me Jesus you're worthy Jesus you're worthy Jesus you're worthy God, I thank you that you are taking the Father's house and to deeper levels of worship in spirit and in truth. God, I thank you, Lord, for radical obedience. God, I thank you for swift obedience, Jesus, from whatever you're speaking to us about. Let us not tarry, God, but let us run to what you're asking of us, Jesus. Let us give it all to you like you gave it all for us. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe him every bit of our lives come on let it be known in this place that Jesus wants it all he wants it all and when you give him all church he takes it and he scoops you up and he turns you around and he changes you and he loves you like you couldn't imagine we love you Jesus Could our prayer team come down quickly thank you Lord that song maybe I'm gonna ask Maddie just to sing this over us could you just close your eyes and just whatever it is let's just stay in worship thank you Jesus we love you Lord we bless you King Jesus I will live on the altar you are worth what you ask for mm hit you this morning, I just pray that you would just come to the altars and just even bow before the Lord as they sing this song before you go. If you just need to make that declaration this morning, the man, God, I give you my life. I know I'm not saying that uh, that maybe you're already saved, but I'm talking about laying your life down. If you need to get out of your seat, just come and spend time in this altar as they continue to sing that song this morning. And if you need salvation, if you need prayer, if you need God to touch you in any way, shape, or form, you can go ahead and get out of your seat. But I just feel like if God's compelling you to come you know who you are would you come and just fill these altars before you go I'm just going to pray over you quickly Heavenly Father we love you Jesus we honor you King Jesus God I pray you would bless your people God you would touch them this morning God let your word go deep in their hearts Jesus I pray this be a place of surrender this morning God I pray for the ones you're drawing just to come and sit at these altars God that they would not be ashamed that they would come and leave now Lord In the name of Jesus, we pray. Bless you guys. Have a good week. We're going to continue to worship and spend time with Jesus. You're more than welcome to join us.